We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. Evangelical leaders coming out and crying crocodile tears and virtue signaling their disappointment and the painful reality of the Rittenhouse verdict. I'll discuss this and more on today's Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. Today's topic is the Kyle Rittenhouse case again. More specifically, the verdict. And even more specific than that, the evangelical reaction to the verdict. At least the reaction of a couple key pastors and an evangelical leader or two. More specific than even that, I'm going to cover a tweet, a Twitter thread that took place in the Wesleyan Pastors Facebook page where Dr. Joanne Lyon, the General Superintendent Emeritus of the Wesleyan Church. Sidebar, for those of you that don't know, the Wesleyan Church is an evangelical church of about half a million people in the United States. And the General Superintendent position is the head of the church. There's only one General Superintendent for the entire denomination. In other words, it is the titular head of the Wesleyan Church. And Dr. Joanne Lyon served in that capacity for approximately a decade or so. She has moved on and retired from that official role, but she still holds the title of ambassador for the Wesleyan Church, and she is General Superintendent Emeritus. In other words, she still has a strong voice. Uh, functionally, she has a strong voice because she has this position as ambassador for the Wesleyan Church, and emeritus status brings an honorary role to the table. Now, with a denomination that is that small, you know, 500,000, half a million people in the United States, you might ask a reasonable question, and that is, why are you covering this story? Because there are other denominations out there, the Southern Baptists, for example, that are much larger than the Wesleyan Church, the Nazarene Church, the Assembly of God, and then you've got the mainstream denominations, etc., and then the non-denominational megachurches. So why are you focusing on this particular thread, this Twitter thread, and this particular tweet from Dr. Lyon? Well, the reason I'm going to focus on that today is because it's exemplary. It is the poster child of much that's going on um, and much that's coming out of, much that's being said and communicated from the woke evangelical community. And I would argue that Dr. Lyon represents that wokeness, that desire to be popular rather than holding on to the biblical principles that have been tested by time, proven by reason, validated by experience, and revealed to us in Scripture. It's this 
political correctness, all under the banner of not being political, which ironic, it's ironic, isn't it? I mean, you get criticized for being too political as a conservative, but the political correctness of the left, of those that are criticizing you, their politics, their correct politics is rife. It's laden in everything they do and everything they say. And I'm going to show that to you to get today by virtue of reviewing this, uh, this tweet, this Twitter thread, and my reaction to it. So uh, with that said is the introduction for today. I think you're going to find this fascinating, even if you're not part of this particular denomination. And even if you're not even evangelical, I think you're going to find this fascinating because what's going on in this particular loop of communication, this loop, this Twitter thread, and the reaction to it, the support of it, and the refutation of what Dr. Lyons says is emblematic of what's going on in the culture at large, definitely in the church at large, even outside the evangelical circles. So let's take a break and let our sponsors uh, bring their products to the forefront. And um, when we get back, I will discuss this particular story of the reaction, the evangelical reaction to the Rittenhouse verdict. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. So today's topic again is the evangelical reaction to the Rittenhouse case and the Rittenhouse verdict. And the reason I'm covering this and this kind of this little corner of the evangelical world is I don't think it stays there. I think this is the poster child of much of what's going on in the broken ideology, the broken theology, the broken ontology, the broken epistemology of the evangelical church right now. And again, I'll say this, I have the right and I have the responsibility to criticize my own, to critique my own. I'm hesitant to critique and criticize outside of my church tradition. I do it once in a while if it's so obviously wrong. For example, there's this Lutheran pastor, this woman in Colorado, who's off the rails calling for um, every woman out there who had a purity ring given to them when they were in their teens. You remember the movement, at least many of you do. Uh, father and or mother would give their teen daughter a purity ring, a gold band. And the purpose of that was to call the daughter to remain sexually pure until marriage. Well, you've got this Lutheran pastor out in Colorado, this female pastor, who's asking all of these women who have been abused by the sexual oppression of the evangelical church and this purity movement to send in their gold bands, their purity rings, to her so that she can melt them down and create a sculpture of female genitalia. To, to represent the elevation and the freedom of the female. Feminism has reached its epic, its climax, no pun intended there, and now we can all worship at the goddess of feminine liberty as we bow before a golden statue, literally a golden sculpture of female genitalia. This is coming out of the church this is this crackpot Lutheran pastor out in the West in Colorado. So I will criticize her, even though I'm not Lutheran, because that's just beyond the pale. That's nuts. That is apostasy. That's evil. That's sin. That's a false teacher. 
that should be condemned by anyone and everyone who has a modicum, a modicum of common sense. And anybody who claims to be a biblical Christian, anybody who claims to be a Christian should recognize that's nuts. Well, here's something I want to bring to the table. All right. Uh, I said earlier that this was a tweet, a Twitter feed. I'm, I stand corrected. That's not the case. It's actually a Facebook exchange. It's an exchange, a thread in Facebook on a private page for the Wesleyan Pastors Facebook page. And um, the reason I have this is uh, a pastor did a screenshot, took a screenshot of this particular exchange and sent it to me. So I'm actually reading from it right now. Again, this is a screenshot from a Facebook page of evangelical pastors. And it's going to close with a comment from Dr. Joanne Lyon, the person that I described to you at the front end of the show. So Anthony Smith posts this, thinking about the families of Joseph Rosenbaum and Anthony Huber today. That's all he said. Okay. You might say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, there are 48 likes, 48 pastors, Wesleyan pastors said or liked that. There's no criticism of that, or there's no question. What are you thinking about, and why are you focusing on these two people rather than the victims that they sodomized in the case of Joseph Rosenbaum? I mean, he was a sexual predator. He actually abused, sexually abused and assaulted boys as young as nine years of age. So you're thinking about the families of Joseph Rosenbaum and Anthony Huber today. And as you know, I covered Anthony Huber. He was a felon also. So you've got two criminals that suffered death as the result of Kyle Rittenhouse exercising his right to defend himself as they attacked him. But Anthony Smith tweet, or excuse me, Facebook's posts, thinking about the families of Joseph Rosenbaum and Anthony Huber today. All right. Jolaine Richardson Brown responds, so sad, three exclamation points. All right. Dale Durham Salway responds, will there always be a skewed justice system in the United States? So you get the theme here? We're thinking about the families of two felons, one a sexual predator who molested and sodomized boys as young as nine years of age, and Anthony Huber, also a convicted felon. All right. So sad. And then, will there always be a skewed justice system in the United States? And by the way, the timing of this is right after the announcement of the Rittenhouse verdict. So it's pretty obvious what they're talking about, right? They're upset over the verdict. They're upset that Rittenhouse was acquitted. And they're thinking about the families of Rosenbaum and Huber in the context of that acquittal. And they're saying, so sad, and asking, will there always be a skewed justice system in the United States? Well, here comes Joanne Lyon, the highest of the high within the Wesleyan Church. And she responds to this thread with this. Get ready for it. Listen to it. Painful beyond belief, double exclamation point. Painful beyond belief. Now, 
again, I want you to get the point here. This is very simple. This isn't very complicated. And I know for a fact that they're trying to dance their way out of this because Anthony Smith took the post down. It no longer exists. The only reason we know about it is because this other individual took a screenshot of it, shared it with me. And I also can guarantee you the reason Anthony Smith took it down is because it's very damning. It really exposes what these pastors and leaders of the church think about the United States and our justice system. Thinking about the families of Joseph Rosenbaum and Anthony Huber today, so sad, will there always be a skewed justice system in the United States? And then Joanne Lyon wraps a bow around this silliness by saying painful beyond belief. The Rittenhouse case is painful beyond belief. The verdict, the acquittal, painful beyond belief. The skewed justice system in the United States, painful beyond belief. Painful beyond belief. My response? (laughs) My land. What's painful, to use Dr. Lyon's words, what's painful is a church leader stumbling over herself to fall in line with the newest ideological fad and fawning after popularity and wanting to be liked rather than be right. I think of C.S. Lewis and his admonition in The Great Divorce, where he said this, they simply found themselves in contact with a certain current of ideas and plunged into it because it seemed modern and successful. You know, they just started automatically writing the kind of essays that got good marks and saying the kind of things that won applause. They were afraid of a breach with the spirit of the age, afraid of ridicule, having allowed themselves to drift, unresisting, accepting every half-conscious solicitation from their desires. They reached a point where they no longer believed the truth. Close quote, C.S. Lewis, The Great Divorce. What do I think of this? It's the poster child of what C.S. Lewis is warning of in The Great Divorce. And remember, the person that that particular passage in The Great Divorce applies to is the academic, the elite, the smart folks. The church leadership, it was a pastor. It was a pastor that C.S. Lewis was responding to. Joanne Lyon says that it's painful beyond belief that Kyle Rittenhouse was acquitted. Why? Why? And if it's painful beyond belief that he was acquitted, then why aren't you posting the exact same thing when a black man in Florida was acquitted on the same day for essentially doing the same thing? Self-defense, using a gun in self-defense. He was acquitted. He was acquitted. Why aren't you saying that that's painful beyond belief. Why are you suggesting that Kyle Rittenhouse's case is painful beyond belief? Is it possible that you're doing this because you want to be liked and popular? That you can't help yourself from running after the most recent and newest ideological fad? That you're fawning after this political popularity rather than defending what's right and true and just and real? Is it possible that you've ripped the blindfold off of Lady Justice and you're demanding that she no longer administer 
justice with a capital J because it doesn't matter what people look like, what sex they are, what gender they are, what color their skin is, what color their hair is, how young they are, or how old they are, what nationality they are. It doesn't matter. What matters to Lady Justice when she has the blindfold on is the facts, not her feelings about the situation, not her biases, not her bigotry, not her po political agenda, not even her church. What matters to Lady Justice is the facts. That's why she's blind. That's why she's blind while she holds the scale so she can let the scale tip one way or another based on the weight of the facts in play and that she doesn't lift the blindfold and put her thumb on the scale and skew it in a direction that's fashionable, that's politically correct, that's woke, that's compliant with CRT or Black Lives Matter or the SJW social justice warrior agenda of the moment. The alphabet soup subjectivism of our time is not a good basis for justice. If you always want to have a skewed justice system, then rip the blindfold off of Lady Justice and watch the blood flow in the streets. My land. Yes, painful beyond belief. Your comment is painful beyond belief because somebody of your stature should understand that you should lead and not follow culture. You should lead, you should lead the church to fight against this lunacy. You shouldn't waller around in the mud and beg the church to engage with you in this mess, this prodigal mess of slopping around with the pigs and eating their refuse because you can't, re you, you can't seem to see that the truth is better than this prodigal path of popularity. I'm going to read C.S. Lewis's quote one more time. And I'm going to put she rather than they. In the quote, she simply found herself in contact with a certain current of ideas and plunged into it because it seemed modern and successful. You know, she just started writing the kind of essays that got good marks and saying the kind of things that won applause. She was afraid of a breach with the spirit of the age. She was afraid of ridicule. And having allowed herself to drift, unresisting, accepting every half-conscious solicitation of her desires, she reached a point where she no longer believed the truth. C.S. Lewis. That's the summary of this story, people. And no, they can't claim that that's not what they were talking about. Number one, why did you take the thread down, the post down, if it isn't what you meant it to be? Why don't you defend your position rather than try to hide the entire thing because you've been caught in your foolishness? The timing of the post and the comments offered show that they're disagreeing with the verdict of the Rittenhouse trial. Nothing more. 
and pretending anything else is disingenuous and dishonest, and it's a disgusting lie. This is what one of the people is saying about this situation that follows this story on Facebook right now. I won't quote her by name because she hasn't given me permission, but what she said right there and what I just read to you is spot on. It's disingenuous to pretend that they were talking about something else. Oh, they just cared about those poor people in the Rosenbaum family. Another person said, it's painful. (laughs) It's painful beyond belief what David did to Goliath. I thought, perfect, perfect. I mean, mean, seriously, are you going to sit around and think about the families of Goliath today because of what David, young David, did to Goliath? He killed him. You know, know, he used the sling and the stones. He killed Goliath. There was a battle in play. Self-defense, if you will. National defense because... The Philistines were attacking the nation of Israel. There was something, there was a big deal here. David didn't chase Goliath. Goliath stood in the valley and taunted him and mocked him and came marching toward him. David used his weapon and defended himself. He said, you come to me with a sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. And he used the weapon, and he put the giant down, and he walked up, and he took his head. Uh, is Anthony Smith going to post thinking about the family of Goliath today? Is Jolaine Richardson Brown going to say, so sad? Will Dale Durham Salloway respond and say, will there always be a skewed justice system in Israel? Poor Goliath, poor Philistines. And will the leader... King Saul, rise up and say, painful beyond belief what we've done to Goliath. (laughs) That's essentially what they're saying. So I'm going to repeat myself one more time, and I want you to commit this to memory. Yes, what is painful beyond belief is church leaders, pastors like these people, church leaders, Matriarchs, patriarchs, the grand poobah of the Wesleyan Church, the grand poobah of your denomination coming out and saying it's painful. What's painful is these leaders stumbling over themselves to fall in line with the newest ideological fad and fawning after popularity and wanting to be liked by the world rather than to be right biblically. That's what's painful in this exchange, and it is sad. Very sad. (sighs) You have no justice. I covered this a few days ago. You have no justice when you step away from the objective reality of the facts. When when, When you start imbibing your feelings to the extent that you elevate them over and above the facts, the reality, the empirical evidence of your daily lives, when you start discarding all of those hard, cold edges of our existence, and you start making all those edges soft and frivolous and fuzzy and 
and, and you you feel more than you pursue what's real and just and right and real. And you just feel your way through life rather than driving a stake in the ground and saying, here I stand, I can do no other. And I don't care how I feel about it and I don't care how you feel about it, about it. The facts don't care about your feelings. If you can't go there as a person and as a culture, as a society and as a church, then you've embraced the radical poison of subjectivism that I talked about a show or two ago. C.S. Lewis telling us that we were imbibing the poison of subjectivism and we had lost all ability to make judgments of right or wrong any longer because this poison was corrupting our minds and souls. I would argue that Joanne Lyon has imbibed the poison of subjectivism that the pastors who posted before her and begged her response, if you will, have been imbibing the poison of subjectivism. In fact, I know they have. I've been in these circles and I've watched them. I've watched them lean toward feelings and try to explain away the facts. Lean toward the emotional and explain away the biblical. Find ways to water down the inerrancy of the Bible by calling it authoritative. By saying, well, inerrancy isn't really our position. That's just, an e That's just a fundamental, fundamentalist position of the turn of the century. It's a holdover of those legalists of our days gone by. And they disparage inerrancy, the objective truth of Scripture, in favor of constructivism, relevant interpretations of scripture rather than revealed and objective, hard, cold, sharp truths. When you do this, you don't have justice anymore because you have people condemning the acquittal of Kyle Rittenhouse and saying nothing about the acquittal of somebody else on the same day that was acquitted for doing the same thing. And you know why they're not saying anything about that person? solely because of the color of his skin. No other reason. It's the exact opposite of what Martin Luther King Jr. told us to do, to judge people by the content of their character and ignore the color of their skin. It's the exact opposite of what the Bible tells us to do because we're told that there is neither Jew nor Greek, barbarian or Scythian, male or female. There's no such thing as a written house or anybody else when it comes to Lady Justice. The name, the race, the complexion, the gender, the sex, the nationality, the heritage doesn't matter. What matters are the facts. That's what matters. Nothing else. You can't have justice if you build your court system, your justice system, a trial, a hearing. You can't have a fair verdict if there is no measure of fairness other than your feelings. You can't. And this particular thread demonstrates the hypocrisy and the duplicity, the two-faced, double-minded nature of woke evangelicals who will condemn the acquittal of one boy and say nothing about the acquittal of a second just because of the color of their skin shameful. It's shameful. It's unbiblical. It's wrong. And it's not just. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.